Heavenly Father, we're very thankful, Father, for another opportunity you've given us to study from your word and grow in your word and learn more about Jesus and become more like him. Father, we give you the honor and the reverence and the glory and the praise for being our creator and our savior, savior and redeemer. We pray, Father, that you will be glorified in this study that we're going to engage in, that we can be made better as a result of it, that we can appreciate more about the life of Jesus, and that, Father, we can have important lessons to apply to our lives that will help us be, become more like him as we make our way from this earth to heaven. Bless us, Father, in this study and in this effort. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Lord willing, hopefully at some point this year in 2020, at the Monta Vista Church of Christ, we're going to be able to come back together again and have Bible classes. Uh, this has certainly been a, a difficult year as far as being able to fully come together to worship God and study together in classes due to the pandemic. But hopefully at some point, if the Lord will bless us, we're going to be able to do that again. And when we are able to come back together again for classes at some point, uh, when the elders deem that appropriate and safe, we're going to have a, a, a class, a quarter of classes about the last week of Jesus. We're going to study some of the key events that took place during the last week of Jesus or the days that were leading up to his crucifixion. Believe it or not, but a lot of important things took place during that final week of Jesus' life. In fact, many of those critical events took place near Jerusalem or in the surrounding area of Jerusalem. A lot of important things took place in Jerusalem. And in this class we're going to have tonight, we want to study the geography of Judea and the geography concerning some of these important events that took place near Jerusalem where Jesus spent his final days before being crucified. In this particular study, we want to consider some of the things that I was able to learn and even see back in 2005 when I was able to visit the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, the home of Caiaphas, and Golgotha. The Mount of Olives, Gethsemane, the home of Caiaphas, and Golgotha. As you can see on the map that I have on the slide, I have circled in red the areas that we're going to study in this class this evening. Notice how all of these areas are very close to one another. They're not in the region of Galilee up to this point. All of our studies have been exclusively uh, in Galilee. What we're going to study tonight is not in Galilee. Instead, it is in Judea. Jesus' final week before his crucifixion was in Judea. Judea is where Caiaphas' home was, is where Golgotha is, Gethsemane, and the Mount of Olives. Our study tonight will, will be concerning the, the geography of Judea, particularly around the city of Jerusalem, which was, in fact, the most important city for the Jews, and it remains so to this day. 
Now let's begin our study by first considering some things about the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is mentioned quite a lot in the Bible. It is mentioned in the Old Testament and is also mentioned in the New Testament. For example, in the Old Testament, we can read about the Mount of Olives in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 30. It was at the Mount of Olives where David fled to after his son Absalom usurped the throne and forced David out of Jerusalem. Once Absalom usurped the throne and conspired against his father David, the Bible tells us that David, while in tears, was forced to leave Jerusalem and he fled to the Mount of Olives. He spent time in the Mount of Olives before he was able to, to take control again of his kingdom. We can also read about the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24. As we learned several weeks ago in our classes about Matthew 24, it was in the Mount of Olives where Jesus explained to his apostles the signs that would precede the fall of Jerusalem. Jesus taught his apostles from the Mount of Olives about the destruction of Jerusalem. It was also in the Mount of Olives where Jesus left and spent some time once he arrived in the city of Jerusalem. If you remember, in Luke chapter 19, there we find Jesus approaching the city of Jerusalem. This actually took place on the Sunday of his final week, of his last week before his crucifixion. On the Sunday of that final week, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus left the Mount of Olives and he entered into the city of Jerusalem mounted on a colt. As he entered into the city of Jerusalem mounted on a colt, the people of the city worshipped him, they praised him, they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Many of the people who knew about him raising Lazarus from the dead, they greeted Jesus as he entered into the city of Jerusalem. They praised him. They honored him. And this angered many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes who were there witnessing these people doing that. When Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem mounted on a colt, he had come from the Mount of Olives. We also read about the Mount of Olives in Matthew chapter 26. The Mount of Olives was where Jesus and his apostles went to after they ate of the Passover and after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. After partaking of both of those meals, the scripture says that Jesus took his apostles and he went and spent some time in the Mount of Olives, and from there, he then went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then probably the most famous example we have of Jesus spending time in the Mount of Olives is in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, the Bible says that it was from the Mount of Olives that Jesus ascended into heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God. Many critical events in the life of Jesus took place in the Mount of Olives. 
And as far as the geography of the Mount of Olives goes, notice how, according to the map, the Mount of Olives is actually, is actually right in the middle between Bethany and the Kidron Valley. On the east side of the Mount of Olives is Bethany. Remember, Bethany was where Jesus spent a lot of time. Bethany was where Lazarus, Martha, and Mary lived. Those were Jesus' friends. Bethany is only a couple of miles east of the Mount of Olives. Now, on the west side of the Mount of Olives is a steep slope that leads into the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is very significant because it is, it is what actually separates the Mount of Olives from the Temple Mount. And so on the east side of the Mount of Olives, you have Bethany. And on the west side, you have the Kidron Valley. Now, the Mount of Olives is actually named after the olive groves that once covered its slopes. There are many olive trees, obviously, in the Mount of Olives. In fact, there are olive trees that are growing in the Mount of Olives to this day. I was able to see several olive trees in my visit to the Mount of Olives. Now, these olive trees that are there today are very unlikely to date to the time of Christ. The center of the Mount of Olives, also called Olivet, rises 100 feet higher than the city of Jerusalem. And remember, Jerusalem is a very highly elevated city. And yet the center of Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, is actually 100 feet higher than Jerusalem. It is actually 2,700 feet above sea level. And one of the fascinating things about the Mount of Olives is from the Mount of Olives, you get a great view of the city of Jerusalem. You also get a great view of the city of David. At some point, we will have a study on the city of David and the city of Jerusalem. The city of David was actually... I guess you could say the first Jerusalem. It was the, the capital city where David lived during his reign. And once his son Solomon became king, he then expanded, expanded the city of David further, further east. And then event, eventually he put, made the temple in that area. And so you have the city of David then becoming the city of Jerusalem or the Jerusalem we know of today once Solomon became king. But from the Mount of Olives, you get a great view of the area where David reigned as the king and the area that Solomon expanded and, and became the Jerusalem that we know today where the temple would be built. You have the city of David and the city of Jerusalem and both of those places, and both of those, uh, both of those places you get a great view of from the Mount of Olives. Another thing I want to say about the Mount of Olives is this. Mount of Olives today uh, is, is a place where you have a lot of homes, you have a lot of caves, uh, you obviously have olive trees, pine trees growing there, and you also have an area where there is a cemetery. There's a cemetery that has been used in the Mount of Olives for about 3,000 years. While there, we were able to see many tombs 
many tombs that have been there for, for thousands of years. Now, I want to show you some pictures of what I was able to see when visiting the Mount of Olives. This first picture here is a view of the Mount of Olives. It's a view of it from, I think this is from the west here. This would be a west view of, of the Mount of Olives. Here you can see the Church of All Nations, where you see that church right there in the picture, the Church of All Nations, that is located right in the Garden of Gethsemane. So where you see that church, that is the Garden of Gethsemane, and then right behind that is the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is right above the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is at the base of the Mount of Olives. This right here is a view of Jerusalem. It is a view of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. Uh, right below would be the Kidron Valley. That dome-shaped structure you see there was where the temple would have been. It is the Temple Mount. It's where the temple, Solomon's Temple, and then later Herod's Temple would have been. Would have been. Today, though, you have the Dome of the Rock there. The Dome of the Rock is the second holiest site for the Muslims. The Muslims believe that it was from the Temple Mount where Mohammed uh, took a supernatural journey on a magical beast from there to Mecca. So that was essentially Muhammad's launch pad according to Muslim belief. There is the Dome of the Rock. It is the second holiest site uh, for, for the Muslims. From the Mount of Olives in the time of Jesus, from this view, you would have had a great view of not only the temple, but almost all of the city of Jerusalem. Spectacular view from there. Now, like in many of the biblical sites in Israel, on the Mount of Olives, you also have a church, a Catholic church. One of the kind of unfortunate things about visiting Israel and trying to experience many of these places that we can read about in the Bible is the Catholics have built churches in all these sites. Uh, it is hard to really get a, a good feel and a good view of these areas because in every place there is a Catholic church. This is even true of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives, on the Mount of Olives is located a Catholic church but while we were there, we were able to see many olive trees. Uh, again, this is a picture of being in the Mount of Olives and getting a good view of the Dome of the Rock of the city of Jerusalem. Here's a close-up of how some of these olive trees and pine trees would have looked or looked on the Mount of Olives. But remember, it is here where Jesus spent a lot of time. This was essentially his getaway. Jesus would often go to the Mount of Olives with his apostles. He would go there for privacy. It was here where Jesus spent time after eating the Passover meal and instituting the Lord's Supper. It is here where Jesus spent time before going into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was later betrayed by Judas. It is here where Jesus spent time before ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. Jesus ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. That's what the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1. Here's where Jesus often looked at Jerusalem. 
and lamented over Jerusalem because he knew Jerusalem was going to be destroyed in 70 AD because Jerusalem rejected him. The Mount of Olives played a critical role in the life of Jesus. But then after going to the Mount of Olives, the next place we were able to go is Gethsemane. Gethsemane, and I got to tell you, Gethsemane was one of my personal favorite places to visit. As you continue in your Bible reading, if you're a member of the Mount of the Church, as you, as you continue in your Bible reading, as you continue uh, reading the New Testament, I want you to pay close attention to the number of times the Mount of Olives is mentioned in the New Testament. And also notice how often Gethsemane is mentioned. The name Gethsemane actually means oil press. Oil press, press. It is located at the foot of the Mount of Olives. From it, one can look up across the Kedron Valley and see the temple, see the temple mount directly, particularly the golden gate of the wall of the, or the temple complex. Now, I want you to remember that because that's going to be very important uh, to remember when I show you some pictures in just a moment. Once you actually go to Gethsemane, and there is no question that this is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's been the Garden of Gethsemane for thousands of years. And once you actually visit Gethsemane, you get a great idea of the view of, that Jesus would have had when he spent time there of the Temple Mount, of the city, of the walls of the city. This, after seeing it in person, I can't read the narrative about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane ever the same again. And I'll show you why I say that in just a moment. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane obviously was a garden, and it was an enclosure that likely contained an olive press on the western foot of the Mount of Olives. It's particularly important to, to realize that this was an, an olive press was there because then it makes even more powerful what happened to Jesus once he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was in this garden that likely contained an, an olive press where he was pressed, where he was pressed emotionally, where he was pressed with anxiety and a great level of stress because, because of what was about to take place in his life. Jesus was emotionally pressed in the Garden of Gethsemane where an olive press was contained. The Bible tells us that it was in Gethsemane where Jesus was so full of anxiety and so full of woe and sorrow that his sweat was like drops of blood, maybe even literally. That's how pressed he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 26, and let's just get a, a, an idea of what took place here in Gethsemane. And I want you to pay close attention to these words because I'm going to show you some pictures in just a moment, of the very place where this, these events transpired. In Matthew 26 and verse 36, it says, and this is after Jesus had eaten the Passover with his apostles, it says in verse 36, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and distressed. 
Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Notice the anxiety the Lord feels. Remain here and keep watch for me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup, this cup of suffering, the cross, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Then he left them again and went away and prayed, and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Can you picture that in your mind? It was in the Garden of Gethsemane where the Bible tells us that Jesus, Jesus took three of his apostles, the three apostles that were in his inner, inner circle, the three that he was closest to, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that is James and John. He took them in the Garden of Gethsemane with him, a place he obviously went quite often for prayer and meditation. And he told them to keep watch for him. He said, keep watch for me while I go and pray. And, and, and these periods of prayer that Jesus engaged in, they were, they were very fervent prayers, emotional prayers, prayers where Jesus is asking his father to remove the path of the cross from him. Prayers where Jesus is asking his father to remove this cup of suffering if it is his will. Jesus prayed that fervent prayer, those fervent prayers, three different times in the garden. And after each prayer, he goes back to conversate and check on his apostles. And all and each time he goes, every case, all those times, they're, they're found sleeping. Their eyes are heavy. They're asleep in the garden of Gethsemane while Jesus is praying. In fact, after the third fervent prayer, clearly God's answer to the prayer is revealed when Judas and the soldiers show up. Jesus asked the Father to remove the cup of suffering if it was his, if it was his will. Clearly it was not the Father's will because Judas and the soldiers show up in the garden and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. He points Jesus out to the soldiers with a kiss on the cheek. And then in the rest of the text, the Bible says that Jesus is arrested. He is taken by the soldiers brought with Judas, Peter, James, and John. They flee. They run. They desert the Lord. And then he's taken away. He's taken away in the night. That event took place here. It took place in Gethsemane. It was in this place where Jesus prayed three fervent prayers, where Peter, James, and John fell asleep, where Jesus was betrayed by Judas, 
and arrested and taken off to stand trial before the Jewish court. You can't go to Gethsemane without thinking about the events of Matthew 26. But if you go there and you try to really concentrate and meditate on that, on that narrative, that big biblical narrative, it's hard to do that because the Garden of Gethsemane is not a quiet place at all. It is a loud place to be today. Now, it was a quiet place in the time of Jesus, a place where you could get some privacy. It's not that way today because, once again, the Catholics felt the need to build a church there. They built the church of, the, of all nations. The church of all nations is built in the Garden of Gethsemane. This church is, is there, and it is loaded with all kinds of visitors. It was very loud while we were there. You would think you were in Times Square. It's hard to really meditate and ponder on the events of Matthew 24 because, because of this Catholic church that, was, that is built in Gethsemane. The Church of All Nations is built in Gethsemane, but probably the most interesting thing to me that I saw while in Gethsemane was this view of the Golden Gate. This is a view of the Golden Gate. This is the gate that Judas would have come through with the soldiers to arrest Jesus. You can see this gate very clearly from the Garden of Gethsemane and the implication of that, especially when you think of it in the context of that event taking place at night and the men would have had torches. Jesus would have clearly been able to see Judas and the soldiers making their way to him. He would have clearly been able to see Judas and all these soldiers with torches coming through that gate and making their way to Gethsemane, which means he would have had more than enough time to flee and get out of Gethsemane. They didn't catch him by surprise. He would have plenty of time to, to, to run off into Bethany to be with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He would have had time to hide in a cave. He would have had time to get completely out of Gethsemane. He would have clearly had time to do that because he would have been able to see them coming through the gate, and yet he is so determined to do the Father's will, and he loves us so much that he doesn't run like a coward. He doesn't flee. Instead, he stays right there because he was determined to be the sacrificial lamb on the cross for our sins. He was determined to do the will of the Father. From Gethsemane, you get a great view of the Golden Gate, the gate that Judas would have had to go through with the soldiers to make, as they made their way to Gethsemane. But then another thing I want to show you that we were able to visit was the house of Caiaphas. Through the study of archaeology, through the work of archaeologists, the house of Caiaphas has been discovered. And let me just ask you a question. Do you by any chance remember who Caiaphas was? You know who Caiaphas was? Remember, Caiaphas was the high priest in the time of Jesus. Now, when we start studying about the last week of Christ, we're going to learn that there were actually two high priests in Israel at this time. There was Annas, who was recognized by the Jews as the legitimate high priest, and there was Caiaphas, 
who was kind of a political pawn. Uh, he wasn't recognized by the Jews as the legitimate high priest. He was put in that position by the government. And so this is why Jesus goes to see Annas first before going to see Caiaphas. Annas was recognized as the legitimate high priest by the Jews, but Caiaphas was recognized by the Romans as the high priest of Israel. Jesus is brought to Caiaphas. After being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's brought to Caiaphas to stand trial before the Sanhedrin. And this trial occurred at night, the Bible says, and it was illegal in so many ways. Beyond being illegal because it was done in secret and done at night, it was also illegal because it was loaded with all kinds of false witness, false witnesses. False witness after one after another, one false witness after another stood before the court to, to try to testify against Jesus. And all their stories contradicted one another. Go back to Matthew 26. Look at what the Bible says beginning with verse number 1. Before we even begin reading about what took place in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26 and verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over to be for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. And they plotted together. Notice how Caiaphas is part of the plot to get rid of Jesus. They plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him, but they were saying not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. This is why they arrested Jesus at night. This is why they did it in secret in the Garden of Gethsemane. They didn't want to do it in public because they didn't want a riot to get started because Jesus was such a controversial figure. Go down to now verse number, look at verse number 57. After telling us about what occurred in the Garden of Gethsemane, in verse 57 of the same chapter, it says, Then those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas. The high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together, but Peter was following him at a distance. Notice how Peter, he's following the entourage, the soldiers that have Jesus. They have Jesus bound. He's following at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in. Now, when you put this with John's account, John tells us that Peter was able to gain access into the courtyard because of John. John had connections. He evidently knew some people close to the high priest, and they were able to get Peter access into the courtyard, both he and John. And they sat down, and he sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now, the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you. By the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Notice how Caiaphas is frustrated. He's frustrated because they can't get the witnesses to agree on their testimony against Jesus. And so he just flat out asks him, are you the Son of God or not? 
And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man coming at the right hand of power and the coming of the clouds of heaven. That right there is judgment language. That's Jesus talking about the judgment that was going to come upon the Jewish nation. He says, I'm going to come upon you, and you're going to know I'm the Son of God when I come upon you in judgment, when I come upon the Jewish nation in judgment. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists and others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? These events, these terrible events you just read took place at the house of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest in the time of Jesus. It was, to, it was at his home. It was to his home where the Lord was taken, where he was questioned and where he was held on the night of his betrayal. Now, an important thing to know about this location today is, once again, you find a Catholic church. The church of St. Peter, Galigantu, stands over the ruins of the courtyard and the estate of Caiaphas' house. The language Galicantu actually means rooster crows. The church of St. Peter, rooster crows, stands over the ruins of the courtyard and the house of Caiaphas. Why would they call it the Church of St. Peter, Rooster Crows? Well, remember, it was in this place, in the courtyard of Caiaphas, where Peter denied the Lord three times. You can read about that in the remaining verses. In verses 69 through 75 of Matthew 26, remember, while in the courtyard, waiting to know the outcome of Jesus' trial, Peter has an opportunity, when questioned by various people, including a servant girl, he has an opportunity to confess that he's a follower of Christ and he denied the Lord. He denied the Lord three times. And in fact, he denied him so vehemently that the Bible says he cursed while doing it. Peter denied the Lord, denied the Lord three times in the courtyard of Caiaphas. While we were also there and when we went into the church, we learned that a dungeon for prisoners was discovered under, underneath the estate under, underneath the courtyard is a dungeon for prisoners. That's important to know because it would be in that dungeon where Jesus was held until the next morning when the Jews then took him to stand before Pilate. Jesus was held in a dungeon, probably tortured in the dungeon through the night until the next morning where he then went and stood before Pilate and was eventually condemned to be crucified. Now, this right here is the entrance into the church of St. Peter that is found on uh, the courtyard of Caiaphas. This is how it looks on the inside. We all sat down, and the man you see standing, standing in front of us is Gus. He was our tour guide. He actually lives in Jerusalem, knows the area very well. He did a very great job uh, in leading us around, around the land of Israel. This picture here shows us going down to where the dungeon is. This is where archaeologists found the dungeon where very likely Jesus was held under the estate of Caiaphas. This is how the dungeon looked uh, from the inside. Uh, to get prisoners down there, they would lower them through a, hole, uh, through a hole that's in the roof there. 
So Jesus would have been lowered down through a rope into the dungeon where he would be held, where he would be held through the night. Uh, this right here is a representation, some artwork that represented uh, what happened to Jesus when he was being brought up the steps to see Caiaphas. Now, I want to show you a couple other pictures here, and I really want you to appreciate this. This view that I have here, this picture here, is from the view of me standing in the courtyard of Caiaphas's home. And I want you to look carefully at the view I have there. That, what you see when you look out directly from that view, is you see the Mount of Olives. You see the Mount of Olives, that's the elevated area. But right underneath that is the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, why am I bringing that up to you? Well, I'm bringing that up to you because Caiaphas would have had a great view from his home of Jesus being arrested in the garden. He would have had a great view of Jesus not only being arrested, but being brought to him step by step. He would have been able to see all that take place from his home and eagerly anticipated condemning Jesus as he saw Jesus being arrested, bound, and brought before him in the night. These steps right here are 2,000-year-old steps. These are the very steps that led to the home of Caiaphas. These would have been the steps Jesus walked on as he is brought before the high priest to stand trial in the night. I want to tell you one more story before I move on. While at the home of Caiaphas, in the, in the courtyard of Caiaphas, me and the group, we just we kept hearing the sound over and over again. And it was a very annoying sound. It was this animal that just kept going on and on and on. I couldn't see the animal. All I could do was hear it. And you know what it was? It was a rooster. It was this rooster somewhere that was crowing over and over again. He wouldn't shut up. And as he kept crowing, you know what kept going in my mind. That's right, Peter. <laughs> How ironic that in the very area where Peter denied the Lord three times before a rooster crowed, I kept hearing a rooster crow over and over again. It was just a total coincidence, but it was, it was very powerful. It was a, a, an amazing moment to hear a rooster crowing in the very area where Peter denied the Lord before a rooster crowed. And one more place I want to show you, and that's going to be our video, and that is Golgotha. Golgotha. Look very carefully at where Golgotha is on the map. Do you see where Golgotha is? Golgotha is an area right, out of, right outside of the city of Jerusalem. The name Golgotha actually means the skull. We learn that even in the Bible. Today it is believed that the most likely site of Golgotha rests under the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That's right. Once again, the Catholics have built a church <laughs> on a place uh, where they believe is holy ground. They built a church in Golgotha, the place where they believe Golgotha is, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. 
This site, Golgotha, sits due west of the temple and right outside the city's walls in the first century. Jesus was crucified in Golgotha. After being crucified in Golgotha, the Bible says that he was taken down. He was buried in a new tomb owned by a rich disciple named Joseph in a garden nearby. After being buried there by Joseph, on Sunday morning, Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead in the tomb owned by Joseph, and he was first seen by Mary Magdalene. All of this took place around the area of Golgotha. Now, here's a view of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher built on top of what is believed to be Golgotha. This church is one of the most famous churches in all the world. This is a picture of us going inside of the church and notice the reverence that people have when they are in the church. Uh, most of these people are practicing Catholics. Uh, they have uh, a lot of reverence for this area, um, a lot of meditation and prayer and worship is going on in this place. I was able to see that many people uh, really believe that this is where this is the area where Jesus was buried after being crucified. Notice all of the people, all of the people that are in this church. Notice the worship, the meditation, the reverence that is practiced in the church. Uh, a lot of Catholic rituals uh, and decorations throughout the church. Now, for those of you who may be thinking right now, well, Sean, I just don't buy it. I just don't think that this is the exact place where Jesus was buried. Just don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think we have any evidence to know for sure where exactly Jesus was buried. For those of you who are thinking that right now, I want to say that you may be right about that. I agree with you. I agree that we don't know the exact place where Jesus was buried, but I will close by leaving you with the words of Gus, our tour guide, and Gus said it this way, while we may not be in the exact place where Jesus is, was buried, we're somewhere near it, because again, Israel is not that big, it's not New York City, it's not even Phoenix, Arizona. It is a very small area, so if, Gal if that place is not Golgotha exactly, Golgotha is somewhere nearby. So when you go outside and look around, you're somewhere near it. Jesus clearly was crucified in Golgotha, and he was buried in a tomb nearby. There's no doubt about that. And we were outside of Jerusalem, somewhere in that area. And so... I just wanted to share with you those four places. I hope as you continue with your Bible reading, for those of you who are members of the Monte Vista Church, that you will continue to pay close attention to those places. I hope you will understand that these places I've talked with you about are real places. These are not made up fairy tale places. These are real places. They are key places where many key events in the life of Jesus took place. And so as you continue reading, especially as you continue to read the Gospels and the book of Acts, slow down just a little bit and challenge yourself to pay close attention to geography. Get you a map. Look at where these places are located. Understand that our Lord really walked 
in these places. He did real work, met real people in these places. And it's important that we know where these places are because they will help make reading the Bible an even, an even better experience for us. And so challenge yourself to notice geography when you read the Bible. Make sure you get a copy of the outline. You can download a copy of the outline. On the outline, I have a, a couple of diagrams for you to look at uh, that can hopefully uh, show you even more precisely uh, where these areas were located in Jerusalem and, and even where, uh, how the city of Jerusalem would have looked in the time of Jesus. I'm going to talk with you more about that in the next couple of weeks, but just know Jerusalem is a very confusing city to try to figure out where different places are. And so on your outline, I have some things that can hopefully help you try to figure that out and hopefully even make your Bible reading a richer experience. But thank you for studying with me. I hope these things will help you in your Bible reading. I look forward to our next study.